Over the past few years, the American healthcare system has been pushed to its limit as medical professionals have faced crisis after crisis. The pandemic, gun violence, more car crashes, more drug overdoses, and the list goes on. So what's it like to be a nurse in that environment? In their new limited series podcast, National Emergency, ER nurses and best friends Kate O'Connell and Nashia Williams take us behind the scenes of dealing with everything from natural disasters to the, quote, mass casualty incidents. It's available now on Audible. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Good to be here. Hi. Thank you so much. Good to have you on the program. I've got to say that the podcast, it had me hooked from the very first episode, ladies. I mean, you dive right in. And you, I don't know how you did it, but you make us feel as though we are in the emergency room with you, but we're just seeing things from your perspective. You're teaching us new terms. We're hearing those familiar sounds. Kate, why did you want to share this inside knowledge with listeners? Uh, it, it, I think both of us, Nishi and I just, you kind of reach a, a tipping point where you're, you feel like, I don't know, do people not understand like what's happening mm-hmm. in the ER? And maybe that's why uh, things have been allowed to to just get so overwhelming and so bad. Uh, the pandemic certainly pushed us all to the edge, but we're hoping to start a national conversation because these really are issues that need to be addressed. We see what's coming down the pike for healthcare and um, real work has to be done. Yeah. Well, I know that you two knew each other before you jumped on this project. So, Nashia, what was it like going from being, you know, friends and colleagues to now being show hosts? Well, Kate reels me into this thing. Like she's she has the history in the past in in production. I was I'm totally a newbie. So, it was really just <laughs> something like I I relied heavily upon her for just for guidance and just like, okay, you like she's the best cheerleader so it was really just interesting to to be able to get our thoughts and ideas and just our feelings and about what we see on a daily basis out there yeah it was just a release like a pressure release because you felt like okay you guys you, you you know about ERs you may go to an ER unfortunately when you have to but to hear it from our point of view really just Kind of let take a deep sigh, right? Kind of like relief. And and just so you know, I mean, Kate maybe dragged you into this, but you sound great. You you both sound like you've been doing this for some time. So so kudos to you on managing that. The show's yeah, covering. Thank you. We had real. We had a very good team. We had a great team. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, and included in that team uh, is uh, WBEZ's Erin Allen. She's the host of our Rundown podcast, and I know that she helped produce this. Uh, masterpiece as well and in- yes that's the fabulous Aaron. yeah the fabulous Aaron. Right. exactly <laughs> that's right for sure we love Aaron. <laughs> you're covering a lot of topics on this uh, on this podcast you're talking about mass casualty events natural disasters maternal health mental health misinformation and that's actually just the tip of the iceberg so uh, i'm curious kate how you determined what would make up the final version of the episodes and and who your guests would be well, again, it's a whole process, um, and it started with literally started with Nashia and I, you know, at a dinner table discussing the things that most um, perturb us, that most concern us. We really love our patients, and we we don't like these systemic problems that are affecting people's health um, and and our health and our mental health. So, um, you know, these were the ones that were bubbling up. But again, our team um, from Audible and Pizza Shark, which was the production company, um, and Aaron 
Aaron was instrumental in finding amazing guests, uh, Aaron Allen was. So it all was a collaboration coming together with our ideas and our insight um, about the ER, mm -hmm. coupled with these, you know, really smart uh, radio audio people who knew how to um, help us put this together in the most, you know, appealing and meaningful way so that we can get our message out there. Right. You start off discussing violence, mass shootings and, and other MCIs, as you call them, mass casualty incidents. Briefly describe for us, Kate, what that shift is like in the emergency department when it goes from just being a regular day in the ER to one of those days? Um, so, I mean, luckily, Nishia and I, and, and we knock on wood, you know, we knock on wood. We have not had to deal with a, uh, a mass shooting incident or a really um, overwhelming mass casualty incidents. We've both been through, you know, sort of run of the mill ones, if that's what you can call them in the emergency department. Mm -hmm. um, and, Yet, both of us, anytime there's an incident in this country that affects uh, an emergency department, we talk about it and we imagine what is that. We know how our process would work in the ER, but we put ourselves in the shoes of those ER nurses and doctors and techs and we think, wow, it, it's too much. It's overwhelming. You know, how, how would we handle it emotionally? We know we're going to do what we do. We're mm -hmm. going to take care of people, you know, that we, that we know how to do um, expertly. But um, the aftermath of that and the and the the manifestation of that in our society, what what does it mean that this is how we're um, allowing things to happen like this that so deeply affect healthcare workers and patients? And, and Nashia, you you talk about the intersectionality of gun control and and other political issues with the rise of these you know MCIs, mass casualty incidents. How are nurses and other healthcare professionals getting involved? So we there, I mean, we also reference some ways that people can get involved and that we are getting involved, but there's a lot of work being done in, in the emergency departments around gun awareness. Um, we have like gun awareness aid, we put it into our triage. So we ask people about if they have um, guns in the home or the availability of, of guns um, to them or their families. So that this way we can provide education and just provide information about gun safety and, and just ways in which they can protect them, themselves and their families from, you know, accidental harm or just things you, you never know what someone is going through. So we also offer people, yeah. you know, mental health, access to mental health services and just different, different ways in which you can help protect yourself, your family and the community in which we live. Not only does the uh, ER deal with these man-made disasters, if you will, but also natural disasters. So, uh, Nashia, I know that you went to Puerto Rico to, to help people recover from Hurricane Maria. Talk to us about what that was like. That was the most devastating thing that I think I had experienced. Um, and, and as we talked about, I vowed to never do another medical mission after that. Um, but after speaking to Judy Sheridan Gonzalez, who was very, very inspirational as one of our guests on that um, on our Storms episode, it really just inspired me to get back in it because it was such a level of devastation that I had never seen until COVID. But prior to that, I had never seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. And it just stopped me from wanting to not wanting to, to help, but just wanting to be help in that aspect because I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, you described your experience in the episode as, uh, quote, weeks of daily mental trauma. 
So I'm curious, how did you, how did you manage your mental health then and and, and take care of yourself at that time? Actually, after that, um, I have what Kate calls my great escape to Albany and uh, our capital in in New York. I, I just, I couldn't deal with just the our first world problems and like just people asking for where's, where's my hairbrush and just like, you know what I mean? I just needed to go and totally decompress after that. And that's what I did. Like I cut myself off for two weeks from, from society. I'd like de- I detached myself from my phone. Um, luckily my, my corporation gave us like a two week debrief breather where we were actually able to just stay home and, mentally reset. I mean, it was very, very traumatic. Mm-hmm. So I found that leaning on my friends and my family really, really helped. Yeah, I can imagine. Kate, what's your experience been like with natural disasters? Well, I'd say my, you know, my biggest one was um, uh, Hurricane Sandy here in New York, uh, which, you know, affected us both. We lost power, you know, mm-hmm. we, um, we, we were cold because it was weirdly got very cold right then at Halloween. And uh, I have volunteered at some of the shelters uh, in Queens where I live to do I didn't even know what what was I going to be asked to do you know the Red Cross was there the um, uh, New York City has its own medical reserve corps mm-hmm. and so I went and just showed up I was like okay I'm, I'm a registered nurse you know what can I do and the 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 granular level of things that were needed um, and the the people that I met um, who needed to utilize the shelter who you realize their lives are already kind of hanging by a thread, you know, and these are great people, hardworking people. They have medical problems, just like we all do. You know, they have, they have um, housing issues just like we all do, Uh, but people ending up in these kinds of situations. um, It was sad to me, New York, I have to say New York does a pretty good job, but it was sad to me to see really actually how little um, infrastructure we have for storm you know response in this country and Mm. you know i I don't understand it this country's full of resources we could do it it's a will thing we make the statement over and over in our podcast that these are systemic failures and and in that you know the peacekeepers go to the same place as as the soldiers so in those systemic problems that's we see if if systems have this kind of power to destroy then they have the power to to glorify and rebuild. And that's just, we Mm -hmm. have to turn our wills to that. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. National Emergency is a new podcast. It talks about the issues that medical professionals face as they deal with the crises in our country that we hear about on the news. It's hosted by ER nurses Nashia Williams and Kate O'Connell. They've been talking to us about their experiences on the job and their new show, which you can find on Audible. And WBEZ's Aaron Allen, who hosts our Rundown podcast, helped produce this project. So I, I want to jump to another topic that you cover that's also near and dear to my heart. That's Black maternal health. Uh, it's something that we've talked about quite a bit here on Reset. And so I want to hear from you both on this. I'm going to actually throw you a question that you ask uh, the Black midwife that you have join you on this particular episode. Why does representation make such a big impact in the birthing process? You first, Nashia. So I think that there's a connection that you can't fake when you have someone who looks like you, who can relate to you, who you can just be your true authentic self with as a patient or a provider. And and that connection, like the, the goal of, of healthcare and the goal of nurses and doctors and physicians and, and just PAs, everyone that provides care to people is to build a trusting, working relationship. 
And when you're and you're able just to do that, just that much easier when you have someone who you feel understands your story. And your story may not be perfect, and your story may not be the optimal, perfect, like perfect body weight, the perfect married with this is your your point five, your two point five children in the house with the dog. Right. It may just be you in that room. And and that person to be in a place where you feel that you're not being judged, A, by the way in which you look or by your presentation of your your backstory, like it really makes a total difference. And and the birthing is supposed to be sacred. Right. It's supposed to be, as, as Kate calls it, safe and sacred. And, and that's what we what is the goal of the providing the care is to someone across all spectrums of, of, of race, color, creed, everything. Yeah. But as, as Helena Grant said to us, like it you really it really makes a difference if I can look at you and say, please don't make me come to your house. And you know that I know where you live and I'm not afraid <laughs> to come there. Yes. You know what I mean? It just it really makes you feel that much more secure. Like this person gets me. They really want to take great care of me. Yeah. No, I, I remember my experience. I, I used a, a midwife uh, for both my births, uh, actually. Um, and I did that after just kind of feeling as though I was ignored by my, my OBGYN at, at first. And so I switched over to mid, midwifery. And I remember with my first daughter, or my second daughter, rather, having a black midwife as part of the, the duo that I was working with. And, and I, for some reason, after giving birth to my, my child, felt the need to get right up. And because I did a, I had a home birth and I felt the need to get right up and start like entertaining. I went to the kitchen. I was trying to like make coffee for people because I felt like, oh, they're in my home. And she looked and, and the, the, the black woman of the duo looked at me and she said, if you don't sit down. <laughs> and you understood. That. And I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I, I honestly feel like if my mom had that opportunity, if you listen to the podcast, and I hope that people do, you will hear my mom's story. And it's traumatic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I feel like if and if she had someone who maybe could have related to her a little better, maybe her experience wouldn't have been as bad as it was. Yeah. What are your thoughts on on representation, Kate? I mean, there so many, and this this episode was even before we started. It was one of my favorites because I I also had uh, two home births uh, with my children, and for the same reason that that you said, Sasha Ann, where I just didn't feel like I was being heard by my um, OBGYN. Yeah, and and when I looked at the statistics, I actually saw, oh, it's actually safer for me, you know, a healthy, you know, run of the mill pregnancy to have have the babies at home with a skilled provider, which is what I did, and my midwife was black. Um, and, and so when we talk about representation, I think people think that that means that, for instance, I can't uh, tend to a black patient's needs. And I think that the, 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 the thing, and I, and I know Nashia feels this way too, it's like you have to recognize that there's a difference in culture between you and your patient, and you have to show some curiosity as the provider, whether mm -hmm. that person is of South Indian descent, you know, of um, black descent, if you're white, of whatever the difference is show some curiosity, show some respect. Um, and when you come into particularly a birth situation with that attitude, you're immediately, you know, going to be supporting that mother in, in a different way than if you come in with whatever your culture is, whatever my culture is, yeah. and any kind of know-it-all attitude. I mean, a perfect example, Sasha, and your, your previous uh, guest that I was listening to, uh, you said you started talking about how oh black families dubbing you know that was a whole oh, oh. We're, we're spilling our family secrets right you two connected on that yeah now does that mean I can't connect on that 
No, it means, oh, wow, I'm learning something here. I'm laughing. I'm learning. I Do I have an open mind when I meet people? Right. And that's something we need to encourage as particularly in providers of birth. But black women, this is a crisis. This is a, this is a life or death thing. It that's is happening in the States for black women. So representation does really matter. And Helena and Nishia really, you know, get to the heart of that in that episode. And for then sure. the interview with Nishia's mom is just, um, you know, I can't yeah. think about it without my throat closing. It's very moving. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad we're, we're going there because I, I do want to really underscore that honest moment in this episode where you do share your birth story and, and we do hear from your mom, Nishia, but here's the moment where you were telling Kate, it sounds like for the first time about what had happened to to your mom. My mom, and this was over 40 years ago, they, she was in labor for, I think, almost like 40 hours and they did a C-section on her and my mom the next day went into cardiac arrest mm. after my birth. And they kept saying, well, we're going to have to cut her out. We're going to have to cut her out. And she was like, let me just have my baby. Let me just have my baby. And she was just in so much distress. Like she said, I didn't have any amniotic fluid around me. Like it was like a lot of things because they like she was leaking, but they told her to just walk around, just walk around for like a month. My due date, my mom's due date with me was March 14th. My birthday is April 24th. Nishi, I'm curious what it was like to be so vulnerable on the podcast. So as Kate gets on me all like all the time, like I'm not a crier. I, I go years without like tears. So like this podcast really just like opened up a lot of just, I don't want to call them wounds, but like a lot of deep wells within me. And I've never been as vulnerable and I don't know if I'll be as vulnerable again, but it, it really just brought things out. And it was inadvertently like, I, when I was talking to, to Helena Grant and Kate, it was like an aha moment. Like, wow, my mom was, is a statistic. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it was, it just was very eye opening for me to do the work and the vulnerability, vulnerability is not my strong suit. So it was just still, I'm still like reeling from it mm -hmm. because it just came out. So I guess it was, it was time and it was a safe space. So, and that's just what happened. I, I've, I'm grateful for my like allowing my story to come out and my mom says that she feels so much better that people actually heard her story and she was the one that was able to tell it so yeah. i'm grateful for for us being able to do that as well it was a powerful powerful moment we'll take a quick pause here we're talking with nashia williams and kate Back now with more Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've been discussing National Emergency. That's a new podcast on Audible, looking at the major challenges faced by the American healthcare system through the eyes of two ER nurses. Challenges like gun violence, black maternal care, natural disasters, and much more. We're talking with the hosts of National Emergency, ER nurses Kate O'Connell and Nashia Williams. Now, before we get into this next part of our interview, I will mention that in a few minutes we are going to discuss sex. And sometimes, frankly. All right, ladies, I'm curious, though, what would you say is the biggest misconception about nurses and nursing that you want people to understand? You first, Kate. Mm, the biggest misconception. Um, wow. Well, I, I think a lot of people uh, might see us as... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know the biggest misconception. I mean, uh, 
it's it's hard for me to say, and I don't want to you know generalize too much. I think that nursing, like any profession, has has its great you know uh, things and great people, and mm -hmm. then it has a lot of problems and a lot of issues, um, a lot of culture. There's an inter inter you know nursing culture of what we call lateral violence. You know where nurses can be really um, not helpful to each other. Mm. Um, and there's there's still some misconception that nurses are somehow less than doctors or are are better than doctors or in competition in any way with doctors. And I think especially for ER nurses and uh, Nishi and I, certainly we we know we're part of a team like we are a big team. We right. love our doctors. We work really well together. Um, they can't do what we do. We can't do what they do. But no one can do everything without each other. So, um, yeah. Those are some I mean, good I don't points. know. I don't know. I, we should put a poll out. What is the biggest mystery? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, Nishia, what do you think? I think that, in my opinion, it's the fact that nurses are somehow there to be put upon. Like, we are here to care for you, and we will care for you at your best and at your worst. But it is never okay, and with the big surge in um, workplace violence and, and healthcare worker abuse and violence, uh, and I'm and really coming out of the pandemic, like I wanted just to be known that we are people too. We go home to our families, we go home to our our pets, we go home to ourselves, mm -hmm. and our goal is to go home a little bit better than we came in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having touched someone's life, it's not okay to be verbally abusive to your healthcare provider. It's not okay to be abusive, period. And that and, and we see it more and more. And there's a big push by most of the nursing unions and just the, the government to say that this is not okay. So just to see us as, as human as you want us to see you. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about sex for, for a few minutes here. You talk about a common misconception in in sex education, right? You you make this distinction on the podcast of how the, the approaches to sex are different for boys versus girls when growing up. How does this mentality of, you know, boys will be boys and some things are off limits for young women, how does that play out in sex ed classes and, and family homes, Kate? Uh, well, I think, you know, I think we can all agree without doing a poll that um, in general, <laughs> the male perspective on what is sex, what is consent, what is, um, you know, uh, appropriate, what is expected of a, of a sexual relationship or partner has dominated um, most cultures and certainly the culture in the United States. And I think, um, you know, what, what I worry about a lot, and we talked to a wonderful guest, Erica Hart, about this in our episode, um, about sex education, episode five, uh, was is are the are, is your, are, where are you getting your information from? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and especially for young women, again, most sex ed classes, the people we talked to on the street even told us, you know, for women it focuses on, oh, you're going to get your period and you you could get pregnant. And for boys and men, there's a lot more discussion about pleasure and about um, uh, you know desire and things like that and the effect that has on their body. So right away, you kind of have this, you know, imbalance right there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think if you're not getting sex education, good, open-minded, proper sex education, which should really be, be, be a lot about consent, unfortunately, pornography has influenced people so much and influenced what it is that a lot of partners are asking of another partner without showing that 
for any partner, it's okay to go, yeah, you know, I'm not into that. Yeah, not really my thing. Right. Um, you know, that that's a perfectly acceptable answer. Or hey, yeah, I am willing. I do want to try something. You know, that that discussion doesn't seem to be happening as much either around the dinner table, which I know is awkward, or in sex education classes. It's so um, uh, uneven across the United States yeah. how sex education is taught. And the Shia, you, you mentioned topics not traditionally included in sex ed, like consent, as, as Kate just talked about, and queer identities. I'm curious how you would revise sex ed for not just young people, but healthcare professionals. I think to take the stigma away from it, um, because, you know, sex is for so long, it's been taboo in any any show that's been about like sex education or had any type of sexual information has always come on late at night. You know what I mean? It's not something like when it's when like they have their whole theories about about sex or whatever. It's all something that that comes on later. It's not something that's ever been mainstream. I know for my own um, personal sex education class, it was it was actually in home ec and it was taught by my male gym teacher. Yes, mine too. Was, mine too. That's exactly was, how it was done. It was like, uh, and he pulls out a banana in my class, and we were like, Wait, "What are you about to do with that, sir?" Right. I'm like, this is like a movie. What is going on here? You know what I mean? And then we watched The Joy of Life, which was the most traumatic movie I've ever seen in my life. So like, I feel like I would personally just make it so that it's open and it's inclusive. And it, it just touches on topics like pleasure. It touches on topics that are not just about sexualizing young women, but also just making it known that you are going to have things happen with your body as well. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to, to investigate your own pleasure and to just, and to see what makes you feel okay. And, and if something makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to endure it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, that's how I would change sex ed. And I'd make it open to everyone. Yeah. Because we talked about sex education is not available for many people across the country. So people will learn from pornography. People will learn from their friend who learned from their neighbor or learn, learn from the book they found under their older brother's bed. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it's just, so I, true. Would, I would really take the stigma away. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we've been discussing National Emergency. It's a new podcast on Audible that looks at issues facing the American healthcare system through the eyes of two ER nurses. Kate O'Connell and the Shia Williams. And we've been talking with them about the eight-part series and their experiences in the ER. So I want to shift now to mental health. That topic goes hand-in-hand with burnout, which you address them you know, all together on, on the, the show. How has this affected your colleagues, Kate, and fellow nurses just through the pandemic? Oh, it's well, it's it exposed a lot to everyone in the country. It exposed our complete lack of a public health infrastructure in this country, our complete lack of um, a unified message coming from a a reliable, a trustworthy public health resource. Um, There didn't seem to be a an outlet because of the way that information is is shared and spread now in this country. And, And that is how it is. You know, that's the effect of social media. Um, and clearly it's very clear we have no way to counter that. So that, you know, snowballing into the actual, um, devastation of the pandemic for us as nurses and doctors, um, particularly in, in the emergency departments where we were the first, uh, entrance for people who were dying, who were going to die. And we, we saw a lot of death and we see death in, in the ER, all of us, any ER nurse has, has had to endure, um, traumatic deaths. 
but this was on a scale that was unprecedented. And so all of the things that were already a problem in terms of burnout, which you know, our lack of support, low, low staffing, things like that, that nurses have been complaining about for decades, um, lack of resources, um, time wasting things that we're asked to do that are not direct patient care. Mm -hmm. All of that just fulminated into this, you know, disaster of burnout for nurses now. And yeah. the thing I appreciate about the conversation is, is now, and what we're trying to get to in the podcast is like, um, I mean, a lot of the health systems have responded and she and I laugh about this all the time with like, you know, wellness points and, you know, do more yoga. And you're just like, yeah, you know, I'm trying that and I'm still not <laughs> feeling too good. Right. You know, these are, th these are problems that come from the systems. They're not, I can't fix my burnout actually all on my own. I can do all the jogging and yoga that I want and it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. So pandemic really bared a lot of that for us, bared the teeth of what's really going on. Oh, did it ever. Yeah. And you, Nishia, you, you speak about dealing with compassion fatigue, and then you address another issue that I think many of us have never heard of, admin fatigue. Let's listen to a little bit of you speaking on this. It's bigger than compassion fatigue, right? Because it really is admin fatigue that really just takes us to a whole other place. Yeah. We're just tired of administration. We're tired of just like, you could be literally having the yeah. worst day of your career, <laughs> yeah. right? You could be on your, your fourth cardiac arrest. You could just be like on your, your third old person right. fall. Like you can be on your ninth broken hip of the day and they'll come over and be like, um, can you just make sure you fill yeah. your survey out? Because like we really care about what yeah. you have to say, and it's like yeah. no, you don't. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be in my exactly, face right now. Exactly, exactly. Like, and but, the concept of compassion fatigue again, it places it onto the nurse. Tell us more about the differences between uh, this and compassion fatigue when it comes to burnout. When it comes to burnout, compassion fatigue is really what we experience at the end of COVID when we were just functioning at such a high wartime type of healthcare level. And then when that was over, like we had given everything we had. So it was, we had nothing left to give. Our, our cup of empathy, as I like to say, was broken and shattered on the floor. Mm. But during that time, admin was supportive during COVID. But then as, as the numbers started to die down and we started to get back to a normal everyday functionality, it's all of just the drill down of can you just do fill out your survey and make mm -hmm. sure that you sign off your sign off your med and so make sure more that paperwork. You, you, oh my God, the paperwork! It was like you know in cartoons when they like they the paper just floods from from the top of yes. the, the screen and drowns the person. That's what it was like. That's it was what like it they felt were like holding everything back, and they were like, "Oh, here it comes. We got you." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like no, no care or thought for us as people and what we had been through. And it just continues on. And it's like, like I said, you can be having the worst day of your career and they will just come with the most nonsensical thing. And I know it matters at somewhere in the ether, but at this moment, it does not matter to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that passion that makes this podcast so darn good. I mean, the two of you are really just rock stars on this. I mean, what's the feedback you've been getting? now that national emergency is out. It's been really great, really positive. And, you know, both of us were a little bit like peeking from behind our hands, you know, of course, um, when our, you know, what are our colleagues going to think? Like, are we, 
are, you know, we're, are we being too harsh? Are we being not harsh enough? You know, like what, what, what is everyone going to think? I think our colleagues have responded really, really positively. Um, and, you know, the general feedback we're getting from people who, who, you know, don't even work in healthcare has been very positive. So yeah. it's, it's very exciting because that is what we need. This is a partnership, right? Communities are partnerships, nurses, uh, take care of people and people are communities. So, we, we want this to not only be a medical um, conversation, but, mm -hmm. you know, the people have to be involved, too, because that's who we listen to. That's, you know, yeah, that's why we're here. Well, before I let you both go, Nashia, remind us how we can listen. So you can tune in to us, National Emergency with Kate and Nashia on Audible. It is a limited series podcast, um, eight episodes of just us giving you a glimpse of what we deal with every day when we encounter our national ills that really, really matter to all of us. That's Nashia Williams and Kate O'Connell. They're both ER nurses and hosts of the new podcast on Audible called National Emergency. WBEZ's Aaron Allen helped produce the project. It's fantastic. Go listen. Kate and Nashia, thank you so much for making the time. 